You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Powered by the ADHD coin, here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And in this wild world of Web3, not only is change part of the thing that happens uh, on a regular basis, and I think we all are getting used to, but there's also different uh, entry points and different ways that people uh, look at what's going on. And there's no doubt um, for many people uh, over the last, uh, let's say, maybe two months, uh, the conversation around artificial intelligence or AI uh, has been brought to the the forefront. And we, it could be through AI art, it could be through the the Instagram uh, AI app that kind of uh, was trending there for a good while, or it could have been through um, the newest, you know, kind of uh, chat tools that are out there like Chat GPT, Open AI, and some of the other things that are happening. But I think one of the other things that we have to just recognize is that, you know, for those that are, are unsure or are looking at this space a little bit differently, you know, what came first, AI or Web3? The answer is AI. And not only has AI and machine learning been around for a long while, but it's been integrated into our lives on a pretty regular basis. But in many cases, because we know as humans, the idea of artificial, just even the word artificial might scare some people, right? Or just the idea that it's not human interaction or let's face it, automation as a whole scares many people. A lot of tools, a lot of uh, places where machine learning or AI have been integrated were not really highlighted as AI, right? They were, they were automated filtering and there was, uh, you know, the, you know, you know, put your name into your Alexa speaker four times so that they can learn your your name or learn your voice. But little do you know that that learning is happening artificially and the different components that kind of play in there. And so one of the things that I'm excited about was, you know, I've, I've shared my story on kind of discovering AI art. I've actually been in the AI machine learning space uh, since 2014 uh, when I started doing some work with uh, IBM Watson and uh, their, their team on their alpha team on rolling out some um, some data side of the house. But, you know, this kind of plays into it plays into art. It plays into all different uh, facets uh, of this space. And I, and I will tell you, for me, you know, I, I've shared the story. One of my biggest ahas was discovering the AI apes, uh, which is an NFT project. And many of you might have heard that I, I had uh, the founder and artist uh, behind that project on the podcast as a special guest. And I believe it was on that podcast that I actually asked her uh, if she would come uh, back and do kind of a regular co-host with me and talk everything AI. And so I'm excited to bring you in. So Ken, thanks so much for joining me again. I know we got lots of amazing feedback on the first interview and excited just to kind of geek out on AI a little, learn a little bit more about your take and your thoughts on where AI is going. So uh, thanks so much for joining us again. Oh, no, it's all mine, Fanzo. I'm extremely delighted to be talking again in one of the greatest NFT podcasts. Happy New Year, by the way. Some say that it's the year of the rabbit. 
you know, but I'm very excited because I believe that it is the year of the AI. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And uh, for those that are listening, you know, uh, Ken is, uh, it's just not doxxed and that is a voice changer just for, for clarity that are out there. Uh, and if you want to learn more of her story, we'll put a link to that episode in there. You know, she talks a lot about, you know, you know, Ken, I loved your transparency and honesty on, on kind of your, you know, you know, you know, kind of really your journey um, into Web three, and you know, some of the decisions that you've made uh, around, you know, doxing or undoxing, and and you know, really what it's allowed you to do. And so, we're not going to jump into that part of your background. We'll let people go listen to the the previous episode. But could you share a little bit about your kind of entry point into uh, AI, and then how is your you know, working with AI over the time that you have, how has that kind of grown? And then I, I love to kind of, we'll kind of debate and talk a couple of the other big AI topics that are out there. So personally for me, uh, I did mention in the podcast, which I hope you guys go and have a listen back to. Uh, back in the web too, I was in cybersecurity and law, and I just happened to be having one of the normal refresher costs provided by the company. And one of them happened to be artificial intelligence. And to me, back, it was back in, I'm not so sure, I think it was two or three years ago when there was not much talk about it. But at the same time, there was some advancement in this field, the artificial intelligence. I was learning the, in the refresher, I was learning the very basic, you know, the things like what science, the proton, neutron, electron, you know, the things that goes inside the brain of the AI, the robot, the microchip and everything. And so that was how I first developed an interest or have my knowledge deepened into AI. But it was just a very basic thing. Back then, I didn't realize that how AI would, you know, kind of be an integral part in my life three to four years later. And we have never imagined playing art with AI. That was just, this is why I say technology itself has the power, unlimited potential, the limitless uh, possibility. We never know what's going to happen. And that's just how the world works. So during COVID period, you know, I had the luxury to get into Web3 and AI. And that's, I never left. I was drawn into the community that was being set up earlier in the space. I was, I got into the space, I think roughly last year, back in, uh, two years ago, back in August. So I was quite early, but not as early as the Crypto Kitties and the Crypto Punk era. And I was just playing around with AI. Back then, the tools provided to, for doing AI art were limited you know a lot of them you had to go through a series of beta raffles or just some special invite to test their product because it was not that popular or it was not uh, widely tested so and there wasn't really much interest towards ai art back then and considering how a lot of the web3 people right now they are more into you know ai art even for me it's when I'm scrolling my Twitter feed right now, everyone is talking about AI art and what AI is able to do. So it really shows the progress that's been made over the past two years. And I am very excited for how 
AI is going to be and how it's going to continue to change people's lives one way or another and just continue playing with them to create more good arts for everyone. So I'm curious, you know, I, I appreciate that kind of like that, that history too. And I know when I first discovered, you know, the AI apes, um, you know, back in, uh, in May of last year, um, for me, like, you know, I will just say like, you know, the tools had already advanced a lot, but they really, even whenever I first logged into mid journey and the very first time I found a, a stable diffusion, uh, you know, place that I could actually use stable diffusion, uh, you know, it was still very, I could tell they were still figuring out the user interface and notifications and such, but I, I'm curious, you, know, you mentioned it was a lot harder to create and there, was it more, you know, for those that maybe are, you know, you know, during, when you first kind of got into AI, cause I know you also do editing kind of um, yourself uh, kind of off of the AI engine itself. Was that a, was there a lot more prompting? Was there a lot more required like kind of maintenance on yourself? Like where, where have, you know, for those that of us that weren't in that time, where has AI art tools, like what are, where have they made the biggest leap in your mind as far as, you know, functionality and user adoption? So one thing that I'm very proud of the, the AI tool creator is that, if, if you would have noticed, or if everyone would have noticed that is listening to this podcast now, back then, some of the, what we can um, refer to as, you know, industry leaders, huh? the, I'm just going to name a few, you know, Mid Journey, Mark Cafe, Dal E2, Dal E, you know, uh, Disco Diffusion, Stable Diffusion. These tools that were there since the start, they haven't left and they continued to improve on their tool up to now. So this is one of the things that I feel it's very, um, as a creator or as someone that used their tool, I'm very happy to see that they are continuing to develop their vision that they had two years ago, two or three years ago, when it was not that popular. So it's very nice to see, you know, from an outsider perspective. As for its, its growth, how it has um, progressed, from last year May, if I'll take it as the as the point, or about one year, two, one and a half years ago, when I discovered these tools, the user interface actually improved significantly. I remember back then when I was using Stable Diffusion, when I had to connect to their um the site itself, I had to go through a lot of um that that okay. So right now, if people were to search up how to connect uh, the host, the instance to stable diffusion, there is a, a documentation, but back then there wasn't any. So it's really, you know, asking the team itself or just figuring out, you know, like a headless chicken. So things are definitely much easier right now because information are provided compared to uh, back then when it was a little bit more limited. But saying that itself, the user interface is still not the best. It's not very user-friendly. It is not very colorful. You know, it's the, it's the monotone, the black, the white. Just very um, tacky. Uh, when, you, when you think of, you know, coding, it looks a little bit like the color preset. Um, it has evolved a lot in terms of how it allows the luxury to change um, details to the much to the smallest bit, that's what I, I would have said that is the most noticeable change that I've noticed. And as part from that, um, as because there are more people testing these tools, 
which means that the company itself is able to collect more data to fit into the codes of just making it more stronger every day. So the AI tool is getting stronger. The prom-wise, this is a very interesting thing because back then, there weren't many um, prom generators because right now we have the mixer and everything. Back then, there wasn't any. Uh, back then, all I had to was really to use my imagination, search up on traditional art pieces, find the styles, and afterwards, you know, try to fit it. When I have that in my mind, I try to fit it and go from there. This is why I also say I also like to combat on statements that have been made by people that say that people that do AI art are not real artists. Personally, I think that, you know, any real artist, you know, they take whatever tools they have available and that's what they make their art with. And that's the fundamental and the most important thing that comes when making the first step when it comes to making art. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, you know, I think it is, you know, it's about the tools, right? And, you know, when a, a painter uses different styles of paintbrushes or different uh, styles of paint, you know, you mentioned, you know, for those that are listening to like, you know, there are websites where you can purchase prompts. There are websites that are prompt generators. So you could literally just spew what's in your head. Um, I found for me, uh, I've used like a, a little bit of different ones and realized that if there's too many constraints or I'm using uh, like a prompt generator, it actually doesn't allow like my own storytelling, my own like imagery being put in there. And so I do it almost all natively um, in mid journey, which is the tool that I use primarily. Uh, although the last couple of weeks I've been playing around with two other tools as well, which we'll kind of talk about a little bit. But um, one of the things I found really interesting is, you know, I've been improving my my understanding of weights and understanding uh, negatives and creating seeds so that I can kind of build upon. And I and I know like it's funny because you mentioned you know the the user interface is very um, you know very bland. You know, I'm using Discord. I have like you know a, a separate Discord server that I I use for you know my mid journey creation. Um, but I will say the the interesting part is you know, even when I first you know I found out about AI apes discovered mid journey. I remember I logged in and they only had uh, V1 and V2 from an engine perspective. And wow, I mean, the output on those were not very close to what I was trying to get. Like it would take a lot longer, even just to get the the content to, to resemble anything that I, you know, a lot of it was very much um, kind of like, uh, I don't even want to call that. It was more of like a, a mural and less of like uh, exact art. And now I think one of the nice things that I'm able to do is you're really going to play around with these different, you know, seeds and different components. And I'm curious, you know, Ken, from, you know, for those that aren't as familiar with the AI apes and definitely should check them out. And, you know, I am a, a holder and a, and a big fan and, and you, you not only created, you know, AI from some of the board ape yacht clubs, uh, you know, po popular NFTs, but you've, you've continually updated, right? So we, we have, there's some really cool mechanisms within uh, the project where if you list for sale during a certain range, then you're updating them. I'm curious from that process, right? Because uh, for me as an AI artist, I haven't done a lot of like taking my existing AI art that I put out to the world and then re kind of adding on top of it. How does that process work for you? Are, are you, are you bringing it back in and kind of re you know, adding another prompt on top of it? Are you, kind of rethinking what you were building ahead of time? Like, how do you approach 
kind of these additional tweaks and as you're continuing to, you know, grow and kind of manipulate the, uh, the collection as well? So one of the um, imperfect, okay, so in, in, in my thinking, when I first started to, you know, introduce what I'm going to do with regards to the future of AI's NFT, I did tell the users that 11,000 is a very big collection, first of all. And it did take me, yeah, it did take me time to look at every individual pieces. For those that do AI art, just imagine the amount of pieces in one collection, you multiply by nine. You look at all the partial images, it's almost a hundred thousand. So it was a very grueling process at the start. There were some, there might be, you know, end of the day, I'm still human. I'm not AI. When I go through quality checking, there are some that uh, are very good. There are some that are good. There are some that might be deemed less undesirable. So in a way, when we, our vision is to deliver good art and strengthen the, collect, strengthen the collection through art while maintaining the community's attention and educating AI art along the way through the styles and through, you know, it's, it, it is just a storyline. A storyline really captivates people and provides value, incremental value to every single piece of art. And when I first sit, uh, put out, I remember I put out an announcement. I'm saying that if you do not like your final review, rest assured, there were, you know, I think back then I created additional 500 pieces to combat such um, problems that might arise. But I think from then to now, I think I, I created another 10,000 pieces. So it really um, fuels me when I see that there are some um, images that could be done better in terms of styles, in terms of coloring and everything. As compared to my techniques back then, back in May and now, that, that is a huge difference as well. And being able to have the flexibility to play around the collection really helped me to evolve in terms of, because at the same time, when I do all the AI art, right now I have an audience that, that, are, that are willing to provide instant feedback. And I have an audience that have differing perception, differing perspective on art. And, you know, when you are delivering art to everyone, you, you, you try to, when you create, any art piece, you try to have their interest at the back of their head. Would they like this? Sometimes when I create something, I say, I think that it, it is not the best, but at the same time, I think maybe it's subjective. And then, then I will ask my community, what do you guys think of this style? What do you guys think of this ape? Do you like it? And it is the instant feedback that has actually aided me into, you know, delivering better art. This is why when the community, they say, oh my God, Kim, you're awesome. Thank you. No, I say thank you for providing all the feedback into creating these art pieces. So it is very fun when you're able to do this with your community. Yeah, I love that you do that, right? And I think for all artists, you know, this for me, you know, as someone you know that definitely is a newer artist, you know, I have found that I will get stuck in my head or I'll make assumptions. And I've taken your lead a lot in that where uh, recently, especially over the last couple of weeks, I'll post a, a, uh, one of the pieces I'm working on 
and I'll say like, you know, give me a title of it or what are your thoughts on this? Or what's the first emotion you have with it? And most people think I'm just being, you know, nice and, you know, granting engagement, but it's ultimately like, I have an idea of what the impact is that I want to make with a piece. And if someone says something different or, or it's it kind of goes a different way, it allows me to kind of adjust or tweak. And, and I think that is something um, kind of beautiful with, uh, you know, with AI as a whole. Um, I am curious, you know, from a editing outside of the engines, right? There are some people, you know, uh, in the AI space that are, are trying to kind of put levels on different things. Right. And I think, I think, you know, we, I think we all agree that art is, you know, really it's, you know, it's beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but there's definitely, you know, some techniques and there's definitely some levels of what people can uh, create. And not to mention, I mean, you've created, you know, these are all like one of one pieces that are, you know, are at scale, right. And you've been adding and adjusting to that as a whole, but like, what is your process as far as, um, you know, when you're editing offline, is it, do you, do you try to do kind of like the same style of edits or how do you kind of approach what you're doing kind of manually, either on an iPad or on a computer? How do you kind of look at AI and, and that kind of post edit? So when, when, when you have been doing this for you know quite a while, you start to have the muscle memory on a lot of things. And for me, when I first started, I didn't explore the option of Photoshop or other engines, Adobe. You know, back then it was really just, you know, going back and forth, stable diffusion and disco diffusion. And as I start to, I think the, if you want to, if any AI artists want to better their work, you know, their final product must not just be based on what the AI tool output itself. So the process that have been, uh, Back then in May, compared to now, I have been using a lot more on Adobe Photoshop where I have to change the color preset before I fit to the AI. I think that one thing that I have realized that it is super important to have the right colors before fitting to the AI because based on the normal images in the body.club, which is the collection that we are inspired from, sometimes their colors, their background, their shirts, when it's, let, let's take for an example, a, what you have on the screen right now is a, um, we have a shirt, a, a, a skull bone shirt. So it might be green as the base image, but when you fit into the AI, it might not capture, maybe because the color is, is too close to, to the background images. And then you have to change maybe green to blue to capture the green images. So there are still some level of understanding needed in terms of color playing. So, um, I would say that even as AI artists yourself, you got to have some, the, the basic theory or at least some extensive knowledge into how, you know, the art, the color works, the art works. And that will really put you on top of a lot of others. So really using the tools that are available for you. And that's like what, that's like, that's what has, that has helped me, I think, in recent months into bringing into having a new outlook into AI art as well as personal skills points as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting too. Like, you know, I've I've started now kind of creating some things like in Mid Journey, uh, exporting it when I think it's at a at a spot. And I actually have taken on um, kind of creating my own little characters. And I've been building. We have, I think, I have over a little over three hundred of them now that I've been kind of tweaking. And so I started doing kind of 
you know, my output of AI and then entering, putting it back into stable diffusion and, and kind of, you know, tweaking and adjusting. And I noticed that what you were saying, and it's funny because for me, like, this is the part of like computer science class that I loved, right. Where it's just like, you're throwing things out there and you're like, wait, that background was read by the computer incorrectly. So what can I change on that background so that the computer reads it the way that I wanted to read it. And then we can kind of manipulate it from there. And so I, I think that's part of the beauty that I really like about being able to create in this space is a lot of it is trial and error and even, you know, positioning it in a prompt. And, and so I'm curious from, you know, the, there are a lot of people right now that are, are trying to, you know, I, I would say sell courses on prompts or, and, and, and to me, I, I think however anybody is helping people, embrace this kind of is, is a good thing, but there's really a difference between figuring out like your own style and figuring out, like you said, your own muscle memory versus just kind of taking something and kind of plugging it in. Like, what are, what are you excited about as people become better at prompts, as these tools are getting better? What are you excited for as a kind of a, as an artist to be able to either do or, or be able to see more people kind of embrace? Cause I think right now we're definitely seeing kind of a I would say an entry level uh, AI output for a lot of us that are, especially that are, that are newer into the AI art space. So especially with tools like mid journey, they give super, super good art. You know, the output is amazing. Sometimes it is even, I think that we, we can't necessarily say that uh, because I, I've been seeing comments that will say that, you know, the AI art output is, that is done in 20 seconds is better than the normal traditional artists. I think it's definitely different. And in terms of prompt-wise, you know, I mentioned back in earlier in the podcast that back then we didn't have the luxury to have prompt generators and to the extent that people are selling prompts now. So it, it, it is a huge uh, growth. Um, I think that people don't necessarily have to, you know, pay to to um, get prompts. And of the day, it's finding what you love best. Of course, you might be able to pay to have more options to view art. Okay, that, that is a complete different story. I think that aspect is okay. You know, pay for more knowledge, pay for more inspiration that it, that it is. But uh, there are really quite a few um, good um, from places for inspiration. Is it okay if we share some prompt sites here or can we share some place to look for prompts here, Sandro? What do you want to share? I mean, is it possible to share some website that I think that is good? Yeah, sure. You know, that is of course. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones that I used back in the early days was lexica.art. I'm not sure if you have heard it before. L-E-X-I C-A dot A-R-T. So this is not a very popular site, but it has been it has helped me a lot back in the day when I was creating AI. And it is these sites that are free because so I believe that if you those that if you were to look and find and deep research on a lot of the on internet, there are you don't information are out there. Information are free. You don't have to pay for it. You know, I believe that art is not, you don't, that doesn't always have to have money involved. You know, art is for everyone. You can always find um, information almost everywhere. So really no stress on 
people that you know think that to, in order to get good prompts, you gotta pay for those prompt generators, etc. Yeah, and I think you know that that is kind of a and there's so many different ways to create within AI art, right? You can take one piece of art and feed it in and then manipulate it there. You can start from scratch. You can take multiple pieces of art and kind of build on top of it. I'm, I've been using a tool uh, called Scenario GG uh, that is a fairly new tool, but it actually allows you to upload a lot of your own original uh, images. And then you're actually, you're uh, it's actually learning uh, training off of the images uh, that you learn, that you you lo- upload in there. And then based on what you've uploaded, you can then create prompts and it kind of builds off of the work that you've done. And initially I, I threw a couple in there. And then most recently I threw a lot of, of my pieces into that, uh, into the, the generator. And, and I thought it was really interesting because now when I, when I prompt it to do certain things, uh, like one of the pieces I have today is I, I wanted to it's my my daughter's birthday or the day we're recording this. And I wanted to be able to create a piece where it's a, a dad and three daughters. Uh, and so for me, it was funny because when I did it like in mid journey using prompts, it's difficult to get, you know, them holding hands and getting them kind of the right height as my three daughters are there. You know, it, it's, it's been uh, something I've been working on for, you know, well over a couple of weeks now, but interestingly enough, when I was able to use it within a, you know, an engine that is building it off of my you know, existing work, it actually used some of the, you know, not only the color palette, but some of the, the things that it could tell that like were my styles, right. From a standpoint of, uh, you know, the, the dad having a hat and rather than me having to manipulate the hat a lot, it actually picked up like the style of hat that I've created um, in the past. And so I, I think that's like one of those things that people will, we get, we'll get more excited about over time is that the engine continues to build and grow um, you know, with you, you know, and not only our muscle memory, but the engine now starts to understand one of the, some of the things that we are um, kind of building. So I love that you threw out a, you know, a tool out there. There are definitely, you know, it seems like new tools uh, are popping up everywhere. Um, we can't talk AI on this episode without mentioning chat GPT. Uh, I'm curious, have you played with it? And, and what's your thoughts on kind of this open AI uh, chat GPT conversation that's kind of taken over uh, the internet the last couple of weeks? I have play around, you know, chat GPT. I first, you know, um, stumbled through it when I was scrolling Twitter. And some afterwards, a few days later, they were, they were saying how, you know, it amassed over 25 million users, you know, in just five days, which is quite a feat compared to, you know, how other tech companies, they took, I think for Facebook, it took one or two years. So it, it's, it's pretty crazy on that, on that feat, on that feat. Um, my my views on ChatGPT, you know, sure it is, you know, ChatGPT can generate some vaguely relevant or vaguely, you know, correct code for, you know, general concepts, you know, that have been well documented online. You know, it's kind of the it's open AI is always studying what are available online. But I think that these tools, okay, these tools is a big help into a lot of things. And I think that, you know, that that with the amount of user base that he has uh, brought on, shows clearly shows it. And but these tools, I don't know. I don't think that they have a concept of a broader objective, or uh, and or the constraints or the whole picture of maybe requirements. You know, I think that as this whole AI chat, you no know, chat GPT or tool matures, um, companies, 
you know, but see how it is better to maybe hire humans that are more knowledge or situation equipped as opposed to some codes that, you know, goes well to provide a rather vague answer. But it sure is a good um, tool, you know, for research, for, you know, just vague answers. And I think that um, uh, this this chat, this chat GPT in particular, has brought on a lot of new eyes towards AI, which I think that is good, Jen. Yeah, I agree. I think the more eyes, the more conversation around it. You know, I think because we know it's going to take time for people uh, to fully embrace it. It's going to take time for us to train uh, the AI on like kind of what we think it should be used for. I will say I I, I used ChatGPT the other day uh, for a really you know a unique use case. I like, not really a unique use case, but you know rather than me asking it questions, you know I actually fed in uh, to ChatGPT like four different blog posts that I had written myself. Uh, over the last couple of years, um, and I added it into ChatGPT, and I said, "Can you generate a, a a style guide for my team to use based on my style of writing?" And I will tell you, the output blew my mind. I was like, what? "So it, it, you know, rather than it saying like, can you give me the the top ten best ways to write or whatever, right?" Which is not really you know the human element. What it actually did was it took what I've already done. And kind of just learn learn from that, and then we're, was able to output a, a style guide that I'm able to give my team now. And so when my team's wanting to to write a post, and I want it to be kind of like how I prefer to to write, they're able to do that based on the style guide that I don't, I don't even know how I would have created. I don't even, I don't know if there was a way for me to create a style guide off of my uh, existing writing uh, previously. But you know, there's been tools like Jasper. Uh, AI, which has been definitely one of the more popular ones, but I, I'm with you. I think there's it's a good thing that there's uh, new eyeballs. I think we also just have to recognize, you know, as we begin to learn how to use it and and tweak and test, you know, we're going to be continuing to grow as creators, grow as uh, as humans, and I think that's also a you know, an interesting component. Um, you know, as we look at that, right? As we look at things like ChatGPT, I'm curious, like, what are the things that you're you know, working on as far as, you know, an artist as uh, an NFT founder, right? You you get to play uh, a very rare role in this space is that there's not a lot of projects um, that I'm very familiar with uh, that have stood the test of time, uh, that have been around uh, for almost a year now that have not only been AI art from the start, but there's a amazing community around it. There's, uh, you have, you know, unique utility. I I get to play some of the the poker games with the team and, and I, you know, get to do Twitter spaces with so many of the members uh, that are in the community. What are some of the things that like for, for you as a, you are not only an AI artist, but you're an NFT founder. Uh, What are things that you're excited about maybe in 2023, either that you're working on or that you think will continue to kind of grow in this space? So 2022 was an exciting year. I think it um, there's a lot of things that I can take from 2022 and bring forward to 2023, which I think would be an even better year now that you know we have more people on board on AI. I think in a way it motivates me as well because that's what I've always believed in. You know, back in last year, uh, May up to August, I was always saying that you know soon the AI wave will come. You know, and we've we've always been chatting uh, about AI since the very start of the project. It was like, what is this? Oh, this is done from AI. It's pretty cool. But now that there's abundance of tools available for people in my community, 
I see a lot of, you know, the community members, they start to dabble with AI. Some even created their own projects. These are all very humbling and very touching to see, seeing how I have actually fulfilled one of the vision that I want, which is to educate AI art, to translate it into more people. So that's one of the but job is not done from there. Um, in terms of for 2023, the vision for AX, you know, from the NFT founder, strictly as an NFT founder perspective, not as an AI artist perspective, I aim to continue to build on the relationship that I have with my community because I think that, like you said, not a lot of projects have, you know, stood due time for one year. NFT right now, it's no longer about, you know, um, not not that much into, not that much about marketing or whatever. But it is still a very important aspect because it's what you, it's how you get new eyes. But it's about building the relationship that you have set forward for yourself in the community itself. Every I always remind myself and I always remind my team that every person is a whole new network. You know, there could be someone that saw an AI and then they talk about over to dinner. Maybe after five times, the parent will be like, what is this monkey picture that you always talk about? And then it starts to grow and grow and more people get into it. So these are the things that I value most as a founder in order for me to spread the our vision. You know, it's not that much about marketing, although, you know, we have been doing that as well because... It is only fair for us to, you know, do that for our holders as well as to, you know, show the the artwork that we have and try to onboard new eyes, new people, you know, new fun, new family. That's what that matters most. And I think that longevity-wise, that is what that would help us towards this vision as well. As an AI artist in 2023, I would expect more tools to be out like what you have said, you talk about the scenario GG. When you said that, it's kind of like malware reverse engineering, you know, in cybersecurity. You know, there's the forward and then you reverse. Now it's the reverse process. When you take an image, you put it into an AI to tell you about, you know, the prompts that created it. So it is definitely very exciting. And with so much tools coming out, you know, it is just the nature that there will be more you know, um, crazy and smart people trying to come up with things that will shoot people, you know. Uh, so with that, you know, the possibility of that happening is super high. I could see a shift towards in AI, towards, you know, how we are creating art now and how we are creating art, you know, possibly in a couple of months. And as for myself, me being very flexible since the start, you know, I would see myself shifting towards the trend as well because it's always about you know keeping up, no complacency. It doesn't mean that you started first as a pioneer. You will, it means that you'll be standing at the end of the day. And I think that's what's going to keep me from continuing to deliver in terms of art and in terms of educating AI art and just keeping the community well-rounded and keeping things exciting as a vision keeper as well. Yeah, I, I love that vision and I love, you know, kind of where that idea, not only of, you know, building relationships, but, you know, you know, educating and bringing people on, you know, and I'll say for those that are listening, you know, 
uh, AI apes, uh, you know, jumping in, picking up one of the AI apes and jumping into the discord. There's a lot of really great conversation on all things, you know, AI and, and different things that people like and, you know, different tools and conversations that are out there, which I think uh, is exciting. And, and there's also other projects that are, are able to even, you know, use some other mechanics, right? Where we are uh, Ape Liquid, which is a, a kind of a, a family project uh, with AI apes as well. You know, they're they're using within their game, within their NFT game, based on the, the interactions that you prompt the game to do, it actually outputs, you know, AI art as well. And so I think we are really at the infancy of what we can use AI for in the, in the NFT space. Uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited uh, like you are to, you know, build relationships with new artists. Uh, I will say for those that are listening uh, on Tuesday nights uh, at 4 PM Eastern time, uh, we do superpower hour, which is a Twitter chat. Uh, and the one that we're going to be doing this week is actually with uh, a, a traditional artist uh, that is a fine art artist, uh, graffiti, fine art, um, IRL offline. Uh, and he's actually launching his first uh, NFT set uh, on Nifty Gateway using our uh, our storefront. Uh, and interestingly enough, I started talking to to him as a fine artist and, and the NFT online space is brand new for him. But then I started talking to him about AI and I showed him the AI apes. And, and one of the things he first thought of was, ooh, I wonder how I could take some of his most popular fine art pieces that have been sold you know, and then it turned them into AI pieces. Uh, and it just don't, you know, it hit me as one of those another uh, examples that are out there for us to use. So, uh, Ken, this was a lot of fun. I, I'm glad you joined me uh, back again as a co-host. And uh, we're going to you know, get you back again next month. We'll talk about maybe things that have changed, maybe things that people are excited with. But uh, anything you want to leave the audience with or anything you want to uh, end with on this episode? It always, it is always humble to be back again, you know, talking and making conversation with you. You have been a very good conversationalist. A lot of people in the community have, you know, been liking our conversation. I think they, they do see, you know, the things that we have in common. And you're just as genuine as it is. You know, what you guys see, Banzo on the podcast is the same as he is in the Discord and everything. He's a very genuine person. And I think that you deserve all the, you know, the, the listeners that you have. On, on the current, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I'm very excited for all of us. You know, Fanzo and I are both AI artists. We do AI art with, you know, the amazing and more attention coming towards AI and AI art in particular. I think that it will be very interesting to see this conversation again one month from now and how we have evolved as an artist and how the space has evolved with us, yeah. I love that. It is definitely evolving. It's evolving that quick, just for those that are curious, right? Everything from uh, the tools to the data sets to ways that we can use them. And so, Ken, thanks so much uh, for jumping on. For those that are listening and you might have questions about AI art or your questions about what it takes to be an AI art NFT founder, uh, just reply back either on wherever social channel the podcast has. We have an account. It's NFT 365 podcast on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, just send us a message. Let us know the questions uh, that you would love us to cover uh, in next month's uh, episode, and we'll bring those uh, those questions to life. And definitely check out you know the AI apes. Uh, you know, you're not only a great community, but a great way to kind of approach AI and kind of uh, take some baby steps in there as well. And so uh, for all those that are listening, uh, you know, push the damn button. I be willing to try things, put things out there. And uh, the beauty is that this world is continuing to change uh, and you get a choice. You either change with it or you try to fight the change. And 
I don't think many of us believe that fighting the change will ever work. So until uh, next episode, my friends, uh, make it a great day. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always, this show is not financial.